Welcome to Blue Collar Fitness. Your hosts are Connor Burton, trainer, competitive bodybuilder, and kinesiologist, Josh Sargent, strength coach, graduate researcher, and educator. Blue Collar's mission is to bring reputable information to the masses. There's so much misinformation in the fitness industry. We want to shake things up and help you navigate the information to add value to your health, career, family life, and fitness goals. We hope you enjoy today's show. All right. Welcome to Blue Collar Fitness Podcast, episode 42. We have an amazing guest today. He is a host of the Mind Pump podcast. Prepare to get your mind pumped. This guy is an IFBB men's physique pro, has trained over 1,000 people, came from a troubled childhood, but has made that an opportunity to become a great leader, which is where he is now. He's a father, husband, and a fantastic podcast host, trainer. Please welcome Adam Schaefer. Hey, hey. How you doing? Good, man. Thank you, boys, for having me back on. It's good to talk to you guys. It's uh, been fun watching you guys continue to grow and do your thing. So excited to catch up. It's been a while. I think a lot's happened since probably the last time we talked. In fact, I don't know if I can still carry the IFBB t- uh, title anymore because when, when people say they go, I don't know, that dude doesn't look like he's a pro to me. <laughs> I just watched so. your transformation. Me and Josh did uh, from seven years ago. I think, was Katrina filming you a little bit? Yeah, no, I had Katrina. I mean, Katrina and I have been together for 13 years. So she was, uh, she was with me through that whole process and uh, um, concerned if that was going to be my life or our life for the rest of our lives while we were going through it. And I, I assured her that was all part of the master plan that, you know, once the business, uh, you know, took off and, um, you know, my, my IFBB status was irrelevant that I would move away from uh, the competitive circuit. It was always uh, just a stepping stone for for me to kind of really launch the business and to build some sort of an authority online. Because maybe in my small town or community, um, I was known as a great coach, but the rest of the world has no idea who Adam Schaefer was. And the idea was just to to use that to kind of catapult uh, the podcast and the business. Right. You've had quite the evolution. I mean, you started in fitness in 2001 and you've evolved to this person who has an authority, but also cares about providing value. Um, You've trained a lot of people, just like I mentioned in the intro. And you've probably got a lot of fans from Mind Pump. I want to open with a kind of an icebreaker question and ask you what's been kind of the funniest or most awkward experience with uh, either a client or a Mind Pump fan. (laughs) Wow. Um, I've got so many of those. Uh, probably one of the most, uh, if we go to clients first, right? So if we do a client awkward moment, uh, I remember when I was only 22 years old, I was working in a 24 hour fitness gym as a trainer. And um, I, I was actually getting ready to do an assessment on um, this girl. And I was explaining to her where I would be taking her body fat percentage from, right? So right on her waist, her, her mid back, uh, and her arm, right? So I'm telling her the three spots and I turn around to grab my clipboard and she had taken her shirt off completely. And I remember as like a 22 year old trainer, like, I mean, I was lost for words. I didn't know, like, obviously I said, Oh, you didn't need to do that. Um, she felt very comfortable with her shirt off anyways, but I mean, I was completely nervous and probably shaking when I was taking her body fat percentage, uh, afterwards. And so that was, uh, an, an interesting thing. So that also set the stage for the future conversations that I would have with the assessment is that, you know, you can leave your shirt on. I would then say after like every, like telling people what I was about to do with their body fat percentage, because I just never thought that anybody would just assume that you, you take your shirt off for me to do that. So, uh, that's one of the first ones that come to mind, uh, as far as a client does, um, embarrassing or like, okay. So like fan stuff is really, uh, that's probably more new and unique for me. Right. Um, I, I think that obviously because of the size of the podcast um, it's drawn a lot of attention and we do have a large following of people. Most often, if I go to another city or town or fly somewhere, almost always do I run into somebody and I really do. Um, I love it. And I appreciate it. I love talking and meeting the people and how the shows kind of impact them. To be honest, Katrina used to make fun of me a lot because it was 
it was very awkward for me um, because that was so new and I didn't feel um, like a celebrity or feel like I should have fans of, of what, who I am or what I do. And so she would always tease me afterwards. Someone would come up to me at a concert or at the airport and she'd be like, why do you act so weird when somebody comes up and meets you? And I'm just, well, I, it just feels, it feels weird because I don't feel that way uh, inside. I don't feel any different today really than I was, you know, 20 years ago, as far as the trainer and stuff. And, and these people come in, they start pouring their heart out to you. And a lot of times uh, they already feel so connected to you because the show we share so much about our personal, personal lives. And so it's this kind of like awkward feeling of they know so much about you, you know, nothing about them. And they want to start talking to you as if you were the best of friends. And I'm all, I like to think I'm a really nice guy and want to meet and get to know everybody. But sometimes there's this awkward, like, I got to go, or I got to go do something. And they're talking to you as if they're like a best friend and you have a, it's a weird transition. Like I've had people literally just keep talking to me and, and following me wherever I'm going, like by my side. And it's like, how do you break off from that, that conversation and tell them, Hey, yo, I got to go, dude. Like we can't just keep talking. So look at this. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that, that has happened a lot. I've over time, over the, over the years, I've gotten better um, with handling that and re- and recognizing that, you know, Hey, even though maybe I don't feel like that, there's a lot of people's lives that we've changed, um, you know, through the podcast. And so just being considerate of that and, you know, people get really shaky and nervous sometimes, which I always think that's so crazy and weird, but they, they do. It's a, we live in a different time now where, even the young kids this day today, like if you, if you talk to a kid that's under the age of probably 12 or 13, um, they probably couldn't name five movie stars, but ask them to name five YouTubers or TikTok influencers. And so it is this, we are in the middle of this weird transition. I, I come from the older generation where movie stars were such a big deal. I don't think what I'm doing as like a, as like a celebrity thing, but for that generation that's coming up, like the YouTube being big on YouTube or being big on TikTok or Instagram seems to carry as much weight as like being a celebrity in the movie. So yeah, I'm still getting used to all that. And it's, uh, I, I like to think I'm getting better at it, but it's a different, it's a different feel for me uh, when it, when it happens, but I'm, I'm getting better about it. But so far, nothing really like they would probably tell you that it's been embarrassing. Like people freeze up. Like I'll get somebody who, They'll, they'll get in front of me and then they, they've like literally had someone just like standing there. There's this awkward silence for like 30 seconds and then they break the silence with, I'm so sorry. I'm so nervous right now. Just, I just listen to everything you guys do and I absolutely love you. And, and like, so I would say that they probably have more embarrassing stories of when we first meet and then you get to kind of talk to me and meet me and I'm, I'm fucking just like everybody else, you know, I'm this, a normal dude. And, and I think they calm down, but. So far, so good. I haven't had anything crazy over the top that's happened with with a fan, at least not yet. Glad to uh, glad to hear there's nothing too crazy there, man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have a lot of trainers and strength coaches that listen to this podcast, and I think uh, you know one of the things that is you know hard for young trainers is how to scale your income as you become successful as a trainer and there's, you know, there's, there's online training, there's in-person training, there's, you know, there's so many different ways to monetize what you do. What advice would you have for young up and coming professionals? Well, I definitely think that we are in uh, a much different time today than we were two decades when it comes to building a, a, a business as a trainer. Um, and I also think that, missing out if you are not at least exploring all the different mediums that people consume content. Um, And that includes even silly ones like TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, podcasting. These are all mediums that people consume content. It's very different than what it used to be. Back to the point we were just talking about that, you know, the generation coming up, um, don't think about, I mean, I bet you guys all remember like the, the TV channels that you, that you watched the most when you were younger and stuff like nobody consumes content really through television anymore. Everything's through streaming, through an app, uh, on your, uh, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Instagram, on TikTok. And so because of that, um, if you are not, um, creating somewhat of a presence, 
uh, in some of those platforms, then I think you're missing out completely. Now, that being said, that can be very overwhelming, right? You've got all those different mediums that I just listed off. And if you're a, a one man or a one woman show trying to build your training business, and it's like, oh my God, where do I start? Well, the first thing I would do is I would, I would dabble in all of them enough to figure out which one I like. Because I think that's so important in the building any business, right? If, you, if you're doing something you don't enjoy and you don't like doing, good luck doing that for, uh, for a long period of time, right? You'll eventually probably give up on that. So, you know, figuring out what medium you like to use where you maybe personally could suck on this or what, what works best with your style or what you're best at, right? So um, I'm at, out of the four of us uh, that own Mind Pump, um, I'm not as good at writing. This is, I'm just, you know, grammatically, I'm terrible. Like, so it, it's something that Sal could rip out, like Sal could write a, a 500 word, uh, you know, short essay real quick and have that ripped out in 15, 20 minutes. And it might take me four or five hours because I'll have to go back over and fix all my run on sentence and fix my spelling and just, so, you know, me going and, and being on a platform or using it, like, I wouldn't be a good blogger, right? I wouldn't, I wouldn't be good at, at writing long form stuff on Facebook. That's not for me. Uh, I also don't like uh, YouTube. I don't do very well on camera. So if I'm somebody who's got to sit in front of a camera and talk for an hour or a half hour or whatever long, your five minutes, even your videos, probably not very good for me. So learning what you what works best on your strengths and then starting to put information and content out now and i get asked this question a lot like if i were to start everything all over again and you know you didn't have mind pump but you're still a personal trainer you have that skill set and you have to work with these mediums and build your business all over again what would it look like i've learned a lot in the last you know 7 8 years of building mind pump and so i think that i would do a few things a little differently. One of those would be I wouldn't overcomplicate the content that I'm putting out. Like I, I think at the beginning, like many people do, they overthink uh, what they need to put out there, and they're they're maybe they're reading books or listening to blogs or other YouTubers or influencers that are telling them like, here's how to hack the algorithm, and this is what they're instead of like focusing so much on trying to hack the algorithm and figure out all the the tricks to making something go viral. I think I would actually focus more on my, my current business. So my clients that I'm servicing right now and the, the mediums that I choose to use, whether that be Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or all the above would really be there to support my current business. What I mean by that? Okay. Well, I just trained Susie at 10 o'clock this morning and, um, you know, her and I were uh, talking about her digestive system and her gut is all messed up and these foods upset it. Okay, well, maybe this, I'm completely unfamiliar with any of this. And so as a, a new trainer, I've got to go home. I've got to read about what she's got going on and what's, what she should avoid and things that are good for it. And that's, that's a post, you know, that's a blog. That's a YouTube video right there, right? Like I had to go research and learn about that. It's only going to make me a better trainer. It's going to help support Susie. So she has something to reference um, that I've gone and, and, and either educated myself or information that maybe I knew already. And that now becomes that post. Now, what's so great about that is that may not go viral. It may not be the best way for, you know, the Instagram or YouTube algorithm, but it doesn't matter. It's going to uh, live as a value add for the business that I'm already currently running. So Susie is going to appreciate that she has a place to reference it. It's also going to attract potentially other clients that are suffering from the exact same thing. And now I'm kind of asserting myself as an authority on that, right? I put a post out on these are the things. And now somebody who also is suffering with that may comment. And so maybe I only get one or two people that add to my page or comment on that post because it's so obscure, but I guarantee that one or two people that comment on that, that hit home for them and they are future potential clients. And so the advice that I would give to these trainers trying to build this business right now is it's really easy to get caught up in looking at some of these massive pages that have millions of followers and they're showing off their lifestyle and how successful they are. Like, don't get, don't get caught up in that bullshit. And you don't, you don't necessarily want to have a million followers overnight. Just having a million followers doesn't necessarily mean you have a successful business. I would, I would, I would much rather have 
you know, five new people following me that that piece of content I wrote for Susie really helped them out than to do some cool video that goes viral and I attract 10,000 random looky-loos. And, that, and that's like literally that drastic. I'd rather have five solid people that my content impacted than 10,000 random people that thought my video was hilarious or it was catchy or whatever. And, and it's, it's a slower game, but it's a much better way to build a sustainable business. And long before Mind Pump was as big as it is and as well known as we are today, we were already a, a multi-million dollar business when none of us had a following bigger than, I don't know, 30,000 followers. I think that was the biggest following we had. So you don't need to have you know hundreds of thousands or millions of, of followers in order to build a very successful business. And so if I'm a new trainer, that, that's the, the tip I'm giving is you find the medium that, you, that works best with your style or that you enjoy doing the most. And, you know, every time you learn something or every time you teach something or help somebody out in your current business of training clients in person, be replicating that. And, and what will happen? And just so you know, like this is, I mean, Mind Pump is 1800 episodes in right now. Like I have addressed the same point uh, about fat loss, about building muscle, about macros, about all the things that we all have talked about before, at least a hundred times. And each time I do it, I say it in a little bit different of a way, or I refine the way I, I communicate it, or I shorten it up and make it more concise, or I learn to put a hook in it to get people's attention. Like I just keep getting better and better about giving the same goddamn advice I was giving, you know, 15 years ago. And that's part of the game is getting into this medium, putting out good value and content. And then evaluating that as, as people come in, like, oh, maybe someone thought that video was too long and drawn out, or maybe they, they didn't like the video because it took me three minutes to get to my point and they are here to learn about something quick, right? So you, you're going to learn that along the process and you don't want to hijack or hack the algorithm to shoot you to a million followers before you learn all this stuff, because I think this is extremely important uh, in your success as, as a trainer, as far as your conversion rate. And being able to satisfy your customer and the lifetime value of a customer, like the, the, the learning process of putting out content and thinking it's going to be good and then maybe it's not so good and then refining it and making it better and what medium is best for me. Like, I think that process is so important and we're in this era of we want everything so quick and fast and then we expect that I'm going to follow this influencer who's going to give me the, the, the secrets to build a seven figure business. And we're looking for all these shortcuts, but the reality is the number one thing is to, to educate and get the, and get the actual hands-on practice at being a good trainer to develop your skills. And then once you have a solid base of skills, the next thing is to start is to start sharing what you've learned and, and giving that, that information out and not being afraid to share all that uh, with your community on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, or whatever platform that you're using. And right now we, I mean, we use all those that I said, and we tend to focus our energy on the ones that convert the best for us or, you know, show uh, the best as far as it's, um, you know, uh, what kind of customers that we're attracting from that type of a platform. Um, But for example, right now we just, we really just started to put some energy in TikTok. Part of the reason why TikTok was like, the redheaded stepchild or the last thing for me to really address is just because I know I've dabbled in it a little bit already. And the conversion rate, the type of customer that we attract um, is just not as, not as good as the customer that we attract through a podcast or through the YouTube channel or through Facebook or Instagram or via email capturing. So, you know, as, as a business operator, I'm always evaluating it. That doesn't mean that I was going to never do TikTok. It just means that most of my energy and focus were on the things that were converting the best and helping scale the business the best. Okay, now that I have some extra resources, i.e. money, I can go throw that at something like TikTok, hire a company to basically use my content to repurpose it for TikTok. Now let's grow it. So now we are are aggressively growing TikTok um, because I know some people will say, oh my God, I've had huge success there. Well, for me, we didn't have a ton of success in comparison to the other mediums. So we doubled and tripled down on the ones that we, we felt we did the best. And then over time, we've tried to add those other ones. And so I, I, 
I know that was a very long answer to your question, but I really think that's how I would start. Yeah. So really triple down on what your strength is and the strength also being the, the solution you gave to a client's problem or whether you're educating uh, someone one-on-one or in a group class and then posting that content. And then you might get some, a few other people that'll help them. Um, speaking of content, we've been able to produce a few programs since we last talked. Um, we have the at-home program, our flagship program, the hypertrophy program, and then summer body. And then coming up this month is a uh, bodybuilder. <laughs> so I've seen your success with, Maps fitness product, uh, Maps fitness products, and how do you promote that, and how do you add value, and explain that value to potential uh, customers and people who want to buy your programs? Okay, there's a lot there, right? So when we release a program, and I and I think the reason why the programs do so well is because we first spent most of our time and effort giving such good, free, solid content that people can, can take and then apply that to their life. And then from there, that's what builds us as an authority. That's what gets people like, Oh my God, the stuff that these guys give for free has been so informative, so helpful and have already changed things in my personal life. Um, I'm totally willing to invest. So that's one thing. Um, now a, a marketing, if you were to hire like a marketing team or talk to like a very salesy guy, they would talk to you about value stacking, right? So one of the things, and we, and we do this, right? So we're, we're aware of this. When we go to release a program, we also provide something for enough things for free that make the program that you're, the price of the program you're selling for it seem like, oh my, that's a no brainer because I'm getting X, Y, and Z for free with the program, right? So like we're getting ready to launch a program in two weeks. So you guys can actually watch this process. So when we launch this program, there is a full, you know, I think we five to 7,000 word document on isometrics, everything you need to know about isometrics, the history of it, um, how to apply it in your workouts, examples of exercises and uh, workouts uh, in there. So you can plug them into your current routine, um, all the benefits, obviously, of it. And it's just, it's this huge, incredibly well, and a lot of money invested in it, right? We, we have a, a, a writer who takes Sal's outlines and then writes it. Then we have an editor that comes back and edits. Then we have somebody who goes in and puts visuals in there. So it's packaged very well. We're, we've invested in it. And that's something we're going to get for free. And you get that. And there's a, I can't believe I can't think of the, uh, the other one right now. Oh, reverse dieting. So then we have a, and then we have a, a whole, reverse dieting guide, also five to 7,000 words. So it's a massive document. We've invested in, in the, the, the look of it, the content that's inside of it, tremendous value, right? And then we also have the new program that we're launching. And that w- program, I think will sell somewhere for like, I think I want to say 150 or 170. I don't remember the price that we agreed on. And then we'll sell it at the launch price for a discounted price for probably 90 something to, the, to our community. So for 90 bucks, you and then those two things we're giving for free, we will later sell those for 60, 70 bucks a piece, maybe 50 on the cheap end, right? So you're getting, you know, two things that we're going to end up selling for 100 bucks each uh, for free with this program, plus the program at discount. So that's called value stacking, right? We're giving so much good free information and free content with the program that it makes the purchase of the, and then also money back guarantees are so important in uh, e-commerce. So one of the things that's risky about buying anything online is the, 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 the fear of, I don't know this guy, Connor and his, his programming. How good is he? I like him. I met him. I saw him on social media and I, he, I'm interested, but then what if I buy it and I'm so disappointed and I, you know, so risking that is, you know, scary for a lot of first time buyers with you. So having a 30-day money-back guarantee is one of the ways to increase that. And I forget the statistics on that, but having that on uh, a program, uh, the, the sales uh, closing rate on it is extremely higher in comparison to just launching something with no guarantee. So those are a couple like sales strategies that one can use when they're launching or selling a program is value stacking and then a 30-day money-back guarantee. It just shows the confidence in your product. I know that 
if you'd use this thing for 30 days, not only will you love the program, see the results you want, but then you also see all the other things that you're getting with it. And you're going to be like, that's a no brainer for me to spend that kind of money. And like a bundle. so that's, yeah. So we're, bu- we're bundling value. And we actually really didn't do that a lot early on. Again, uh, I, I, I think there's steps and levels to all the things that we talk about. And I think, you know, learning to create value and to help people and to educate yourself, those are all the, that's all the foundational stuff. And then when you start to get good at that, you start to get a little bit of momentum and you're building an audience and you're, you're, you're getting more customers. Okay. Now we can start using some of these sales strategies where we value stack, where I give a 30 day money back guarantee, where you actually strategically launch something. So there's this little bit of like FOMO, like it's coming and getting people excited. Like, so we do all those things. We'll dedicate a whole episode since the podcast is the strongest, most dominant medium that we have. We will do a full like, you know, episode that, it, and what we'll do is we'll take the, the program. So like you wrote bodybuilding, right? So you guys just did a bodybuilding one. So I would take all the elements around bodybuilding that make bodybuilding um, good for the general population, right? Obviously, you know, if you run a bodybuilding program, it is appeals to bodybuilders or somebody who wants to bodybuild. But what about Susie? You know, should Susie work out that way? Well, you and I both know the benefits of phasing in and out of different routines and training hypertrophy, even for 65 year old Susie. But how do I convince her this bodybuilding program? It's also for her too. Um, and so we use the podcast to do something like that. And we will gear in knowing that that might be the hurdle that we're trying to overcome. Let's use our example. Our program is going to have isometrics involvement. In not a lot of people trying with train with isometrics. Not a lot of people know how to use it and how, why is it beneficial? So we'll do a whole episode that is talking about the the features and the benefits of the program and how that appeals to the, the broader audience and why they all would want to do something like this before that launch. And then uh, conveniently the program comes out, you know, shortly after. So um, that's something that I would do if I was you guys is I would be, okay, I'm getting ready to launch this bodybuilding program. Now let me think about all the features and benefits of that program and then put together either a series of podcasts that are kind of, uh, you know, alluding to that or just building the, 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 you know, the, the actual value in what the features and benefits are of the program and how those people can apply that to their life and, or doing things on your other social media platforms, you know, Facebook, YouTube, wherever else you guys are at kind of leading up to that. It's like the crescendo. And then you have this program that drops and oh conveniently it's a bodybuilding program that we just talked to you about all those benefits and then if you do all these other things with it at a value you value stack with it it kind of is like wow man this is awesome this is such a great deal these guys are giving me this much stuff i'm going to give this a try oh and there's no risk you tell me because i can return it 30 days no questions asked i'm in sign me up i'm buying boom hook line and sinker yeah i did a uh a photo shoot where I got nice and jacked and tanned for the program. I was like, I better put this to use and just take what I've learned. But you're saying that even though it appeals to be more extreme bodybuilders, kind of universalize it and educate people on how bodybuilding um, phases can help them, you know, going down to like the average, you know, older person here. I mean, yes. And the reason why, this is a really good conversation or topic to talk about because as far as helping other coaches and trainers that want to build their business, if you, if you have an audience like that, this is something that I think is, is really valuable information. Um, one of the things that I saw when I first, when we first started mind pump as a huge opportunity or blue ocean was that the fitness space has a real bad habit to themselves and talking their peers versus, and I know you guys know this because you're trainers, you know, trying to sell and communicate to your clients. Right. It's crazy. When I I look at the landscape of the most popular Instagram, YouTube, name it, okay, like uh, fitness influencers, uh, either you have the... uh, super entertaining that you know sexy take my shirt off look at my abs look at my booty fucking appealing to other dudes that want to be jack so bad and are hardcore into lifting and fitness 
Or you have the other extreme of the super, you know, Lane Norton, sciencey, nerdy, like I'm going to break down studies all the time. Like that appeals to the other science nerds. Like that's, I, I don't know about you, but that represents less than 1% of the clientele that I trained my entire career. Like literally I was foaming at the mouth when I got an opportunity to train a client that was like myself, that was into bodybuilding or was it like, that's that it was so rare. And so when we came into this space, I'm like, oh my God, like I'm not even gonna to, to challenge any of those people. I'm gonna go after the fucking 98% of the world that doesn't fall in that category. And I'm gonna market to this them. dude. You sorry to cut you off, but I wanted to mention um you mentioned that you want to bridge the gap between wellness and performance. That's you know, a quote by you. And and that was something that we were what we saw. So, and, and there's a way to kind of do both, right? Like if you love writing bodybuilder programs and that kind of speaks to you, but, but what you need to communicate and the way you need to sell it is to not convince other bodybuilders and people aspiring to be bodybuilders, why they should buy your program. You need to convince your dad or your aunt or your sister-in-law why she would benefit from that because she is a representation of the majority of people that buy personal training more than the bodybuilder guy. Like that guy, even though that's that program may specifically been written and inspired by the, the, the competitor and the bodybuilder, like our maps aesthetic program is like our map split program is, but we didn't sell it that way. We, and we, we sold it to the general population on why training that way is so valuable to them. Right. That's what I think like there's this huge opportunity in the fitness space because this doesn't this hasn't sunk in to so many people and because of it I think we've been able to kind of feel that fill that gap and we've been able to convince so many average people. That's why so when so the average lifetime value of a customer of ours is north of $800. And if you can get our programs at launch you're getting them most of them for under $100. So most people own 10, 12 of our programs and the, and the programs from the outsider looking in at first glance might go like strongman, powerlifter, bodybuilder, anabolic, like, you know, where is the average Jane or Joe? Well, that's because we don't present it like this is for strongmen or this is for bodybuilders. We present it to, this is why everybody should train this way. And, and at, at some point in their lifting career, including movements that strong men do have incredible benefits, even for 65 year old Susie. What? Tell me more. You have to explain that. To, and that, that represents a much larger pie of people that are even potentially going to buy personal training, but yet the fitness space keeps competing with each other. And we're over, these guys are over here fighting over who's smarter, you know, who's got the latest study. And it's just like, that doesn't, that doesn't appeal to the average person whatsoever. So if you want a program very successful, um, unless you become the body, unless you become, you know, the, uh, I'm so bad with like names on bodybuilders anymore, right? Unless you become like the uh, Phil Heath of bodybuilding right now, no one, no one is going to buy your bodybuilding program for body. I shouldn't say no one. Very few people that don't know you are going to buy your bodybuilding program to get ready for their bodybuilding show. Uh, over Phil Heath's right. everybody, even though you and I might know that your programming may be better, you know? So just because you and I may recognize good programming and the education and experience that you've put into program design and knowledge and information in the, in the general population, you're not just like, and when I say you, I mean, me too, I am not the authority in that space. So what I need to do is I need to show why my programming or what I've done, even though it's bodybuilding inspired, why I wrote it for the masses to use, because there's great things to learn from bodybuilding. I mean, bodybuilders are the best at mind-muscle connection, at isolation exercises, at longevity to your joint health, because they're not constantly overloading the bar and trying to hit PRs. Like they're all about the feel and the movement. There's some great value to learning to train like a bodybuilder. So I am going to sell, sell those concepts to my audience because I want Susie to say, you know what? I have never tried something like this, but after listening to Adam talk about why it's so valuable, it sounds like something I might need. 
And so they're they're gonna buy. And let me tell you, they are more buyers. And the fitness dude is the freebie guy. Is the guy that's consuming all the free content on YouTube and putting together on. And he's on Reddit and shit. You know. Yeah, he's no, that, too, uh, he's he's too much of a nerd. He can he can take all the free stuff and combine it into his own program. That, anyways. That, that's that's right. That's exactly right. Yet the fitness space continues to try and market to them. And it's just, it's funny because that's not where the blue ocean is. The blue ocean is in where the general population is at. And then convincing them why all those types of programs, you know, one of our number one sold programs to women is our strongman program. Yeah. It is, it is. And, and why women love it is, and we actually didn't know this was going to happen or was coming, but the program, when we were writing it with Robert Oberus and stuff, I remember when we were designing it, we're, like one of the things we were, as we were like kind of looking at it at the whiteboard. So we're like, man, this is really posterior chain head. A lot of glute, a lot of hamstring, a lot of back, a lot of backside stuff. Girls love that. What girl doesn't want nice hamstrings and a nice ass and a nice back? Right. And so that ended up being this massive selling point to strong. Like, are you, are you a woman and you want to develop your hamstrings and your glutes and your backside? And you, you don't do these lifts, this lift and this lift. Like we're talking all these unconventional lifts or strongman lifts that women probably don't do because they don't, they don't identify as a strongman. So they avoid those. And so in the podcast, we're communicating to them why those movements are so beneficial for their backside. And this program is littered with that stuff. That, that is how you want to sell your bodybuilding program or any program for that matter is you know, get out of your own way of thinking, selling to yourself and what appeals to you and think about the, the, the larger population of consumers are the people that you probably train from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. at night for most of your training career. Right. You mentioned earlier that your IFBB status was a means to an end in building your business. Do you have any advice for anyone uh, who's who's currently pursuing a pro card and is also in the training game? Yeah. Um, one, I, I, when I did that, uh, really less about, like, I really didn't think that it was going to be IFBB pro. Like the, the initial thing was I'm going to document body transformation from my current spot that I was at. So when I turned 30 years old, I actually was in the worst shape of my life. I just came out of the marijuana business, was eating a lot, sitting down a lot, not training consistently. And for the first time in my life, I felt like I was fat. I never felt that way. I was always the skinny kid who couldn't put on weight or put on muscle. And so the, the original thing was, okay, I, and I had started Instagram and YouTube at the time was, okay, nobody knows who I am. I'm 30 years old. I'm in the worst shape of my life. This is a perfect opportunity to show, showcase my knowledge. Like, I'm going to show you I'm in the worst shape of my life. And I'm also, and I was, I committed to taking myself to the best shape of my life. And when I put that out, I'm the type of person, if I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. So I said, I, I announced that well before I even really started the transformation. And I just began to document it. Now, what I found and I noticed was coming out and showing myself in that bad shape and then transforming my body and documenting the process uh, attracted so many people. Um, to, to pay attention to me. That is what made me go, you know what? Well, okay. So I went from, at that point, I was at 19.8, 20, say 20% body fat. I got all the way down to 7%. Never been 7% in my life before that. The lowest I'd ever seen before that was like 9.8. So first time ever seeing 7% from the worst shape of my life. And when I did that, I got so much a, a, attention from doing that. I thought, okay, well, what's the next level that I could commit and show people like, watch what I can do from here. I thought, well, I've never competed. I've never even wanted to compete. Um, we look at the, we look at these competitors as the, you know, the pinnacle of training, right? Like if you think of like, who are the best at building bodies, obviously we look to the covers of magazines, which are pretty much um, all your bikini and, and men's physique. So I thought, okay, I'm going to get on stage. Now, part of the, the, the deal was I wasn't going to use a coach or a team. I want to do it. I want to show you guys that I don't need that, that I don't know what I'm doing and I'm going to figure it out. And I'm going to, so I showed that whole transformation in that process. And mind you, it's very similar to the original advice I was giving about a trainer who's giving it as I was learning, because even in my experience, I was learning along the process, like bodybuilding actually 
I mean, it really took me to a whole new level of, of a coach. Like I, and I didn't anticipate that. Like I, I really was fascinated with uh, the way when, when you, and you know, this Connor, cause you've been this lean before, right? Like the way your body responds to like every stimulus, when you are super ripped and lean, like I could drink a cup of coffee and I like could see it go through my body. Like you could see, yeah, it's crazy. Right. Or you could literally go, you know what, this meal, I'm going to try and eat a hundred grams of carbs in one sitting. Let's see what happens. And then you could see in the mirror, like a difference, or I'm going to, I'm going to go way lighter. And see. So my point is that as I'm learning this, I'm, I'm putting it out, I'm sharing it because here I am in the, in the space at that time in my life, already a decade. And I'm still like learning and piecing this, this, this fascinating stuff together. Wow. That's really valuable, interesting content that I assume that these people that are paying attention to me probably want to hear. And so I would, I would share all the nuances of, you know, the dieting and the training and the rest and recovery and the water intake and the manipulation of carbohydrates, and the different styles of diets and the different types of foods, how they affected me. So I'm, I'm, I'm posting that those, those types of posts as I'm going through the journey. So if I'm, if, you know, back to your original question, like the advice that I have is treat it the same way uh, as you, as you are learning through that process, share that information, you know, especially if it was something unique and new to you that you didn't know before. But when you share it also too, this is where trainers have a hard time. Have to dissolve the ego, get away from, and this is very hard for, for content creators is, and I'm guilty of this when I first started too, is when I put something out, I, I, I'm not doing what I should be doing, which is thinking about my end consumer. I'm actually thinking about my peers and how they're going to judge me. Is this smart enough? Am I using the right verbiage? You know, is this the right science to support what I'm saying? Like, and I'm nervous to put it out because I, I'm thinking about them more than I'm thinking about the person I'm going to help. And by the way, this is why we have dumb people at the top of the fitness chain that are making all kinds of money because they don't give a fuck about that. They're just, they truly are trying to help a lot of the time and they just say it the way they want. And it, I know it drives the science guys crazy because they're like, oh my God, here he is a million followers and he's giving terrible advice. But the truth is he's, lead, he's leading from his heart and he's trying to help he or she. And that is something that the more nerdier science-based guys can learn from is, Stop trying to speak on your platforms to appeal to your peers and really think about the end consumer and help educate them in the, the simplest way that you can. So to me, that's the advice is, you know, post your journey, share what you're learning. Don't fucking care about the people that your peers care about the people you're truly trying to help and, and teach and, and provide that information along your journey. And I think you'll see, you'll start to attract um, a lot more customers and paying people. You might get a little bit of hate along the way. You might get a lot of people who want to put you down and say, that's not the science or that's not how it works. Ignore that, that bullshit and keep, keep trying to give and add value to the, the people that will probably end up buying and not try and appeal to your peers that are going to try and put you down because you're not as smart as they are, as experienced as they are. That's good advice. And I feel like that really helped you out a lot. So a lot of the listeners can really benefit from taking that approach and educating potential buyers and educating themselves by learning and documenting that journey. Um, again, man, I watched that, uh, those videos of back in the day, I think it was back in 2014 or 15. You were, you're shooting those videos with Katr uh, Katrina <laughs> Your before and after was completely different. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, I was, uh, like I said, I was, I was really blown away by, um, I mean, something that I, I was completely unaware of how certain foods were affecting me, um, until I started competing because I became, because I was so lean and I became so sensitive to things. I could really see how something would like totally bloat me and me, like up into that point, like bloat, you know, was like a normal thing. Like everybody. And I either, so again, here's a perfect example. Like that was like an aha moment for me. So there's a great piece of content. A lot of people don't even realize they're eating foods that their digestive system is just not agreeing with, but because it's a normal food they've been eating their whole life, they just fucking ignore those signals that their body is trying to tell them that this food is not agreeing with you. If that food is not agreeing with you, there's a whole host of things that potentially could be happening or a whole host of things that could be stifling your results. 
So that was like this, oh my God, aha moment for me. Another aha moment for me was getting on the scale and seeing the manipulation of weight through carbohydrate, sodium, and water intake. I mean, I could, I could, I, and I documented this also, I could shift my weight by nine pounds through the night, nine fucking pounds. And it was just simply by pushing the carbs in the day before and drinking a gallon plus of water. And then the, through the night, all of that being released. Now, why is that so, so important? Well, I remember as a trainer training clients, if my client came to me, I see them, let's say Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Susie came in on Friday and she goes, Adam, I gained nine pounds. I would fucking freak out. Like I, and, it, and I would probably, yeah. And I would probably give bad advice. I'd probably like, what did you eat? You know, show me what you did. And, and, and so you got to know that with a trainer. Now think of the average person who doesn't know better. What do they do? Right. They see their scale. So, and this could, and that's an exaggeration, right? Nine pounds is probably not happening to Susie, but four pounds is very realistic to happen to Susie. If Susie eight. Okay. So for every uh, three grams of carbohydrates that you consume, your body holds on to three more ounces of water. If you double your sodium intake, your body's going to hold the water from that too. If you increase your water by six cups of water and you do all those things, you're going to have that much water, which then will probably equate to anywhere from one to four pounds in one single day. None of it was fat. You didn't do anything wrong. You just had a little more sodium, a little more carbs on that day, and maybe a little bit more water that day. And now your weight fluctuates, but here's the, here's the, here's the educational piece or the piece that I was sharing on my car or on my platform was a lot of people see the scale go up or down. And then they, then they dramatically shift what they're doing the next day. I see this all the time. Then the client gets on, or the person who doesn't have a trainer gets on a treadmill and starves their body the next day. They go, Oh my God, they feel guilty. They gained four or five pounds. So then the next day they skip meals or they eat salads all day and they get on the treadmill for an hour, an hour and a half, like not, not realizing that they were actually probably doing perfect. Right. They were right on, they were right on pace with it. But now they all of a sudden go that direction. And now we're just now, now the body's going, holy shit, she's going to push me on a treadmill. She's going to not feed me any more food. So the, what ends up happening is it, it initially, you know, in uh, layman's terms, it slows the metabolism down, right? It adapts to what you're the signal you're sending, which is exert energy. Don't give the body fuel. So the body responds as it should, because we're that special. It goes, okay, I'm going to hold on and conserve energy because this person's pushing me and starving me because it thinks that I wasn't well fed or taken care of the day before. So that was like, mind-blowing to me when it happened to me as a competitor and so i found that as an opportunity to make content around that like oh my god if i'm just learning this i'm 30 something years old i've been in fitness for over 10 years and that light bulb never fully went off for me i gotta share this i gotta share this because there's got to be thousands of people that are not even nearly as educated and experienced as me that have to have suffered from that same exact feeling and probably made and guess what you make that content and what do you get it's like Oh my God, that's happened to me. Or, Oh, that's what's going on. I had no idea. Like, so that's the type of stuff that while you're, while you're going through your journey and your process that you're kind of sharing. And, you know, I think that over time you you'll refine how well, I mean, I think the way I communicate today on the podcast, 1800 episodes compared to what, how I communicated 1800 ago is night and day difference. You know, you, you just, you get better and sharper and, and all that stuff is experience, right? So, you know, I, I couldn't have fast-tracked to me today without putting all those years and hours of, of practice in. And so if you're a coach and you're listening and you're wanting to scale your business, like those are the necessary evils. You know, first and foremost, get your ass to work and get the reps in and start practicing, communicating, and come from a place of trying to add value and help people and start building your content around the consumer and not your peers that you're afraid are going to judge you. We like to ask some deep questions on the podcast and kind of dive deep a little bit because I've always known you to be kind of like my buddy or my leader, uh, even though we didn't meet until a year and a half ago. And you coming from a childhood where you were forced to be a leader when your your father passed and growing up, you were highly successful as a 21-year-old. Then now um, you're a great leader with Mind Pump. What does that mean to you, Adam? Like, what does it mean to be a leader and have thousands or more people listen and heed to your advice? You know, it's funny. I think that, um, I think the people that, that 
find themselves in this position many times we're not seeking it right like i wasn't i wasn't out to really i mean i'm i'm very fascinated and interested in leadership and i'm always trying to develop that skill and i see tremendous value in learning around that but i actually didn't like i wasn't the person who like wanted all the attention or i'm like i was born to lead that's what i'm going to do um, I think I probably tried to avoid it as much as I could, but was kind of forced into that situation a lot of a lot of times. Um, you know, there's it's it's a double edged sword, right? I think that uh, there's there's a part of it that that fulfills me and makes me feel good, right? To the point you made that I, what I came from, where I'm at, like so. There's a, there's a, a bit of of pride um, that comes with it, but then there's also a there's a part of me that is always, and I stay on guard and fearful a little bit because there's a lot of responsibility um, that comes with that level of leadership. You know, you got millions of people that are tuning into you on a weekly basis. Uh, a lot of stuff I say, people hang on every word. Um, but what I like about that is um, the self-awareness piece. Like I, I think that's maybe one of the, the most important attributes that I ever focused on. And I, it started from a very early age. I think um, emotional intelligence is overlooked and self-awareness may be the single most important key of my life. Um, so not just in business, in relationships, my partnership with my wife, like the ability to reflect um, on the things that you say, uh, to challenge your own beliefs. Uh, the podcast has presented that. I love that. I love that. Um, like it seems very narcissistic to listen to my own podcast, right? But I do every once in a while, right? I, I tune in and, and and I don't listen to every episode anymore and I haven't for a very long time. But I, I occasionally I will, especially if it's an episode that's going viral or a lot of people are talking about, I'll go back. But mainly what I'm going back for is not to feed my ego, but actually to evaluate my own belief system and what am I saying and what am I communicating? Um, and uh, early on, there was a lot of like, oh my God, I sounded like that, or I can't believe I said it that way, or do I really believe that? Like, so that, that part I love, I mean, I absolutely love that I have this recorded, you know, conversation that I'm having with, you know, some of my best friends now and business partners, and I'm sharing a lot about myself and my personal life and my beliefs and, you know, hearing me communicate that and listening back, listening back to it. Uh, allows it's a, it's a great tool for growth. It allows me to unpack and go, man. I noticed that when Sal or Justin said this, I got really fired up or a little bit emotional about that. Like, you know, I talk about this too, like developing self awareness, like the how this journey was for me. And I used to lie awake at night and I would kind of evaluate my day. And I journaled for a while when I do this. I do all this in my head now, but I used to write this down where I would evaluate all the peaks and valleys of my day. Like, you know, at, at two o'clock in the afternoon, I, I met with an old friend of mine. He came by and said, hi, and uh, we talked for an hour. And man, it gave me great joy to talk to him. It fulfilled, it fulfilled me for the hour or the time that we spent together. And I would make a mental note, like this is, that's important to you, Adam. These are things that you should foster in your life. And no matter what else is going on, that don't allow that to completely fade. And then there would be things that made me upset, right? So maybe uh, someone that worked with me or worked for me um, pissed me off or something happened um, where I would start uh, reacting, you know, or I you know, got into it with somebody. And instead of looking at that situation and going, you know, what did this person do? Or I can't believe, like, like I completely removed them from the situation and I would unpack um, why, I, why I reacted that way or why I felt that way because there's, there's so much gold there and so much opportunity for personal growth there. You know, so nobody should ever be able to affect you emotionally and it is never their fault that you do. That's and fucking let that sink in a little bit because that's really tough for people to accept, right? Someone does some really fucking dirt to you, whatever, whether they said something, they did something to you um, and you got really upset. It is so it's, it's, it's natural for us to blame and go like, I can't fucking believe they did that. I can't believe they said that. Fuck them. Or you have this attitude when I've trained myself to remove my, remove them from the equation and go like, wow, that, that really escalated or that really made me upset. Or I can't stop thinking about that thing that happened to me today. 
what does that say about me? What does that say about like, and nine times out of 10, there's some deep rooted insecurity with myself around that. Like I allowed that to bother me. Why? Why should that bother me so much? Just because they did something or said something to me, I, I'm giving up my power by allowing them to fuck up my day or for me to even be thinking about this four hours later. Like my, my, my brain power is way, way more important to be shifted in another direction towards growing or improving or scaling. Yet here I am working out this, this issue I have. And the, again, the natural reaction is that I can't believe them or fuck them or go gossip about them or do something to retaliate to them. When it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where, where the gold is at is what is it yourself that allowed you to feel that way? Like, man, and having the podcast accelerated that to a whole nother level. Like, I feel like I've grown more in the last eight years than I had the previous 30 years of my life. And I think that that skill of, of self-awareness and self-development, uh, I think it, it transcends all mediums, all pursuits, whether that be in relationship and business and family and I mean, everything like, and so I, I absolutely love it for that, you know, and if, if you don't use your, your, you know, your platforms for that, I, I highly advise that and to challenge the things that shake you up the most and to go deep into figuring out what is it about that thing that person said that allowed you to do that. And like I said, nine times out of 10, it will be a deep rooted insecurity that you have that you still haven't completely worked through. And that's the reason why you reacted or were bothered so much by whatever this person said or did. Psychology lessons from Adam Schaefer <laughs> gave us some things to think about, man. <laughs> I love psychology. Yeah. I, yeah. Man. Time for us today, man. Appreciate you taking time for our audience. Um, you have anything to add? Before we, we close it out for today, Connor, Adam. Yeah, I just want to thank you and congratulate you on everything that's been going on. Uh, me and Josh listened to the Tony Robbins interview. So, mm. holler, let's go. Make it some yeah, that was, <laughs> that was the uh, single most incredible thing that I've experienced since uh, Mind Pump has been around. I get asked almost on almost every interview. Somebody asks, uh, you know, what what was like the most impactful moment in Mind Pump? And probably every time I answer that question, it's different depending on where my head is at or what's happened to me recently. I predict that that will be the unanimous response by me and my partners for a very long time. That was that's how powerful and impactful and unique and fun and that experience was for us. It was incredible. What do you have on the horizon, Adam? What's coming up that you're that's positive and ex- uh, you're excited for? Uh, I'm excited about a lot of stuff. We've got this this year. We're making a good push again. To I mean, we're gonna we're gonna drop four programs this year, which we haven't done that since the beginning of the business. So we've got four programs that are coming out. Um, the next one is really cool. We've got two or three of the four I'm really excited about. So I really like what we're putting out. This next one is really cool. Um, and I think plug, just, man, plug anything you need to plug on here. <laughs> no, it's so good guys. It's a, you'll, they'll see, they'll see, they'll come around. It'll be uh, It'll be great. Uh, that, I'm excited about that. Um, I'm currently excited about what is going on TikTok. So we just recently hired a company to kind of take that over and they've done three posts, two of the three posts have gone viral already. So, you know, that's a really nice feeling to have outsourced that and have another company doing it and, I'm completely hands off, right? So we have, we don't have to make special content for that. And so to have somebody doing that uh, and building that out, that's really exciting. Um, we're completely redoing the studio and we just, uh, we took off for a week because we had the whole uh, light system remodeled. So we actually hired a company that works with like Netflix and HBO and movie productions and stuff like that. And did a whole overhaul on the lights. So we're really trying to take the YouTube experience of the show to a whole nother level. And you can see a glimpse of what that's looking like um, on the last episode that just went live on the YouTube channel. So you can see how dramatic the lights look and like, there's a bunch of stuff that's coming. So this is like the first phase. So the lighting has completely changed. It looks different now on YouTube. 
and then all the backlighting and all the stuff that we're going to put inside the studio is happening. So I'm excited about that. Um, and I'm excited about the growth of the YouTube channel. We waited a really long time to put the podcast on there because we thought who the fuck is going to want to sit and watch, you know, three guys talk on a podcast. Um, I couldn't have been more wrong. I know I couldn't have been more wrong uh, about that and regret not starting that sooner because that is Rogan's audience. Cause he went to Spotify. So yeah, yeah, it is. It's growing rapidly. We're adding anywhere between 500 to a thousand subscribers every day. So that thing is growing really, really quick and is definitely, and of course the revenue and business is scaling right along with it. So those are just a few things. Um, guests. I mean, Tony Robbins is like, was on the top of my list of people that I wanted to interview. So I don't have any, Peterson has been scheduled and rescheduled twice in our uh, schedule. We've just had schedule conflicts. He got sick the first time. And then I can't remember what happened the second time. We're friends with Michaela. So her, his daughter. So we have the contact. He's already agreed to come on. We just, it hasn't happened. We haven't lied. And I, I wish I would have never brought it up and talked about it. Cause people always ask like all the time now, like where's Jordan Peterson? Where's Jordan Peterson? So yeah. So I do, uh, I look forward to that time when we finally get to connect with him. Um, and then we're doing a lot of stuff outside of like, so that that's all very specific to mind pump media, but really where I spend most of my energy and effort is in mind pump investments. So I really love that. So I kind of geek out on the other businesses that we've built and spend most of my reading time, most of my conversations. And I'd say at least 80% of my work day are actually not related to mind pump media, uh, related to mind pump investments. So we're, I think we're on seven, seven or eight companies that we are angel investors in. Uh, we, we, we've bought 15 properties in the last uh, two and a half, three years. Um, I've got into flips, short terms, long-term rental, duplexes, single family homes. So uh, a lot of my energy is on that. So I manage all that for us. And so I spend most of my time doing that. And I'm very excited about that. My, we got one that's being built right now that is by Oklahoma University, and it's a duplex that is built for college students, will hopefully be one of the best uh, returns on our investment out of everything we've done so far. So I'm excited about that. What did you say, Connor? That's in Norman, Oklahoma? Yeah. Yep. We got Norman. Yeah, yeah. So we got Norman. So I'm in Oklahoma, Ohio, Nevada, uh, Michigan, Utah, Texas, can I give you an idea? Sure. Okay. So next year, what you guys can do is get the property near Columbus, Ohio, do a podcast there, and then go to the Arnold. That would uh, be- we, I know we missed the Arnold again this year. And I, I think the only reason why we missed this year is I think everybody was still a little hesitant with like, you know, COVID still just kind of slowly dripping away. I can't wait to get back to our live events again. I mean, that's probably one of the things that we all miss the most, even though it's not the most profitable for the business. I think it's one of the most valuable things that we do as far as reigniting our energy on why we do this. It's very easy um, when you get to the place that we've kind of arrived as far as the scale of the business to forget why you do all this. It gets really easy to be, you know, overwhelmed by all the day-to-day stuff and all the moving parts that we have that sometimes we forget to kind of take a deep breath and be like oh remember why we all really started this you know eight years ago and nothing grounds us like that like meeting you know the listeners that have been listening to the show for years and the the impact that we're making and so i look forward to getting back to that we will be there so we went to the seattle one i was a shithead undergrad like 2007 (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> drove up it felt like yesterday yeah, yeah. I'm we'll get back get back to it and i'll make sure you guys have vip access and everything so we'll definitely do that and i'll keep you in the keep you in the loop and you can hold me to that so if i forget to reach out to you you can reach back out to me and say yo what the fuck you said i got vip access where where's it at vip access yeah, yeah, yeah. go to a yeah, yeah. shop or just come visit your studio one day and uh you're in oakland california or San Jose, San Jose. So it's not, not far, not far from there. We're also, so I I don't know. I mean, if you guys aren't, so something that's really valuable to you guys, uh, if you didn't know that we do this already, so we partnered with NCI 
um, and we do a, a mentorship. So every Wednesday, Sal, Justin, Doug, or myself is on a call. It's only 99 bucks a month. And you actually have a, you have a one hour zoom call like this. That's interactive that we were mentoring other coaches and trainers. And Jason is normally Jason or Chris, one of his guys is normally interviewing one of us. And like, we cover everything every week I come on, I, I drop two books um, and then they have a topic they want to cover. And it's everything from the stuff that we talked about on the show already to everything you can think about back end business stuff. And it's so inexpensive. We don't push it really hard because it's not a big focus of ours, not a big revenue stream for us, but you want to talk about real solid value for someone trying to build their business and wants like a, you know, a direct connection to us on a weekly basis for 99 bucks. I don't, I mean, I would, <laughs> I would charge somebody more than that per hour just to see me. So the fact that you get access to Doug, Sal, Justin, and myself every week, um, I think it's a, a hell of a deal. So that's NCI. So we have a, it's NCI mindpump.com, mindpumpnci.com or NCI mindpump.com. So bad with all this stuff. One of those. We'll find so, if people yeah. want to, if people want to find you guys, uh, where do we where do we reach out? Instagram, TikTok. Where's the links? Yeah, any anywhere, man. You guys can like literally Google Mind Pump, and I haven't done my job if we don't pop up everywhere. So that means I and take advantage. I don't that's right. Anything, and then uh, take advantage of all the free stuff. That's what I tell people. Uh, if you've never heard me before and you're interested in what we do, like we've we've put out a lot of free content on YouTube, MindPumpFree.com, and. Uh, our Instagrams and everything, white papers. We got all kinds of shit. So take advantage of all the free stuff. All right. So we'll plug that in the, uh, the show notes and we'll post tag you. And thank you so much, Adam, for coming on to Blue Collar Fitness Podcast. I also hope uh, Katrina and Max are doing amazingly. Uh, I love seeing yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, make sure you guys let me know when this goes live. I'll make sure to push it out on my end. Absolutely. We Thank will. You. Appreciate that, man. You have a great day. Thanks for taking All right, boys. See you guys. Oh, fitness. Got him. Perfect timing. All right. Everything. Good stuff. Oh, fuck yeah. That deserves a high five. Oh, I mean, uh, survived. Dude.